The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. The reading itself can feel more akin to like a set list, you know, and yeah. you know, you adjust your set list based on, uh, you know, the context in which you're performing that particular set. So I think of like the reading aspect of it in a lot of ways as being like interconnected with the text, but it's um, singular and continuing and like a really fun and in a lot of ways a bit more of a dynamic entity than the text itself. Greetings, scribes. You are tuned back into the Writer Files. I'm still your humble host, Kelton Reed, sending you positivity and prolificness per usual. And this week, two-time New York Times notable author Brian Washington dropped by to chat about how his short stories garnered so much acclaim, what cuisine tells us about the larger narrative around sharing a meal, and why writers need to ignore the publishing marketplace. The author published the award-winning short story collection Lot in 2019, which garnered him, to name a few, a National Book Award 535 honor, the Dylan Thomas Prize, a Lambda Literary Award, numerous best of the year lists, and one of President Barack Obama's favorite books of 2019. His debut novel is Memorial, and it too earned a New York Times notable spot, a Good Morning America book club pick, and was named a best book of the year by the Washington Post, Time, Oprah Magazine, Esquire, Harper's Bazaar, and many others. It's described as a funny and profound story about family in all strange forms, joyful and hard-won vulnerability, becoming who you're supposed to be in the limits of love. The author described Memorial as a gay slacker dramedy. NPR called it a masterpiece. And the Washington Post said of the book, no other novel this year captures so gracefully the full palette of America. A24 has already purchased the rights to Memorial, with Washington writing the adaptation for television. Brian has written for The New Yorker, The New York Times, The New York Times Magazine, BuzzFeed, Vulture, The Paris Review, McSqueenie's Quarterly, Tin House, and many, many others. In this file, Brian Washington and I discussed trying to pin down the intangible definition of home, how the author irons out the creases in his prose, why writers are like stand-up comedians, his involvement with the adaptation of his novel for the small screen, and why you need to just sit down and start writing. Stay safe and stay sane out there. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. 
All right, welcome back to the Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by a special guest. I've got novelist Brian Washington. What is happening, my friend? Thank you so much for having me. It's like hanging in there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else. Surviving at the apocalypse and all the all the uh, anticipation. And, and so I guess we should preface this interview with uh, uh, when we're recording it, which is kind of in the in the hangover moments of uh, the 2020 presidential election. And we still don't really have a, a definitive answer, do we? No, we don't. That's such a good way of describing it, like the hangover moment. So it's <laughs> like, the, it, like <laughs> we all acknowledge that like, something has happened. Or some sort of, uh, it, it, the picture hasn't quite uh, serviced entirely. Yeah, no. but yeah, you know, we're on, we're on day three at this point. Yeah, but I think what's cool is that it's probably a relief for you um, promoting this fantastic new book of yours, this highly anticipated uh, novel memorial, that you don't have to talk about politics at each and every uh, juncture of your of your life now. It's been a nice reprieve. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about writing and uh, steer clear of the landmines out there. Um, but yeah, man, I'm really excited to talk about your uh, very interesting career and your path to this this fantastic new book. And let's let's turn the clock back a little bit and just talk about your your career. I know we we talk about this all the time. We joke about this all the time with with famous writers. Like there's no such thing as the kind of the overnight success. And um, you've had quite quite the career to this point. Catch us up. How did you get here? I know um, your your short story collection was. Uh, just one like every award imaginable and the list is just incredible to see but it was considered um yeah i mean it was on president barack obama's list of his favorite books of 2019 so how did you get here kind of take us back a little bit and tell us a little bit about um this fantastic career yeah so i think that a lot of it or the origins of it was being able to work with and around really generous folks and really thoughtful folks who were generous and thoughtful with their time as far as the stories that I wanted to try and tell and they're being receptive to my telling them like outside of a question of like we be able to monetize this which I think is not really a thing that you can game plan or like really <laughs> work toward in any right. capacity but I took a writing class uh, in undergrad with uh, Matt Johnson who is just the, the loveliest human and uh you know the author of Pam and loving day and he was really kind and receptive and it just you it just kept going in a lot of ways and i was fortunate to work with editors like nicole chung over at catapult or sylvian killingsworth who used to be at the all and you know i have just been fortunate to just like keep having opportunities you know but about five years ago i want to say I started writing short stories for what would ultimately become Lot, and they were written, I can now say, like in a really organic way that I wasn't, I didn't have a book project mm -hmm. in mind. Like it was just, you know, there were stories that I thought would be interesting to see. And the short story market at that time was amenable to, you know, just open short stories or short stories that were sort of singular and autonomous from a collection so 
eventually there were enough stories that it made sense to my agent and I to try and compile them. Mm-hmm. And we were really fortunate to have interest. We were fortunate enough to take the auction, fortunate enough for me to meet my editor over at Riverhead. Um, and we, like my agent, my editor, and I, like our job from them became to try and take these stories that were written with a sort of singular focus in mind and autonomously from one another and to make them like a cohesive thing, right? like collective thing. Yeah. And that was released in March of 2019. And we're in, you know, November of 2020. Now I started writing Memorial um, about a little over three years ago. Um, and that book was originally a short story as well, not a part of Lot, just uh, was actually written as a very, very short thing for a friend's zine. Um, And I was in the middle of writing what I thought would be the follow-up to Lot, but I kept turning back to the short story and the characters and the sort of structural and thematic concerns that they had. And eventually, you know, after, you know, the encouragement and coaxing of like my friends, um, and then my agent, and then my editor. Um, I started working on Memorial like as a project on its own in earnest. And that process took about 11 drafts, but you know, ultimately it ended up working out. You know, That's interesting because uh, obviously Memorial has garnered some incredible reviews uh, and some blurbs from your peers that are that are pretty um, stellar, lots of fun to read through these. I mean, I could probably spend the entire show reading the blurbs, but um, it's really it's really amazing. Um, I think it's interesting uh, the way you describe it and the way the way reviewers describe it. Um, I thought it was it was cool because we'd already scheduled the interview, and then of course I open up uh, New York Times newsletter and i see your face there and it says the writer brian washington describes his new book memorial as a gay slacker dramedy (laughs) among other things i thought that was a good one um or queer tromedy was another one i saw um both i think great and it kind of has this rom-com feel to it or this odd couple feel to it right talk a little bit about the book and the meaning of not only the title but um you know kind of some of the bigger themes that you're you're delving into here um, and then we'll talk just kind of about the process and, and uh, you know, your, your process in general, kind of what you're working on now. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's hard to love story. It's a romance. And that was what I wanted to read a love story and a romance, but within that and, you know, outside of that, in a lot of ways, I wanted to read and write a book about, a group of folks who were trying to figure out what it meant to be okay personally, individually, yeah. but also what it meant to be okay, if it could be okay collectively. And I also wanted to write a book that circled around this question of home and what constituted a home and mm-hmm. the many different forms that a home could take and what it could look like and how that could change, right? And whether home is a geographic point you know, whether home is like a history, whether home is like a person or a group of people, or whether home was something less tangible, like whether it was more akin to like a feeling that 
one could have and if that feeling could change and what happened if that feeling or that home looked wildly different from what a character thought it would look like or where they thought it would be. Um, hmm. Really circling around those questions was the catalyst in a lot of ways for me starting the book. And each of the characters negotiates that in their own ways. But I did want every character to, like, to have the capacity for love, right? And to be reaching toward one another and to be acting from a position of love as opposed to animosity or as opposed to disdain. Because that was the book that I wanted to read and it was one that I hadn't seen too often the way mm. that I wanted to see it. Yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, you incorporate um, so many fantastic elements into your writing i mean there's just some laugh out loud moments um i actually have been enjoying listening to you read it out oh, loud <laughs> yeah well t i mean talk a little bit about that process because you know you you had read you had gotten in and read um parts of lot right for the audiobook yeah i did i was uh i was really fortunate um i i like reading my work like, I don't know, it's just like, yeah. it, it was, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, I didn't know that, like, that was an option for me to do. And then once I found out that it was, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'd like to do that. So for a lot, um, I read, uh, you know, there were about 10 stories and I read um, about half of the book, all the mm -hmm. recurring narrators' stories. And for a Memorial, it's split between um, two narrators. Um, and Aki Kotare read uh, Mike's portion 
um, and I read uh, Ben's portion, and it was a really lovely experience to get to do. Actually, like yeah. figure out how to make it work in the midst of quarantine was you know challenging at some points, but everybody was really into just trying to make the best iteration of the thing that we could, and it's another way to you know sort of engage with the work and to interact with the work and to feel out where emotional weight is and like where the creases are and yeah i was really happy that i got the chance to do it yeah yeah i like the way you put that where the creases are um yeah because i mean i guess a lot of kind of the writing and the rewriting process and i understand you went through quite a few revisions with this uh novel but um is i think reading out loud right as you put it does kind of reveal sometimes, you know, kind of early in early iterations, like w- maybe weaknesses in the dialogue or weaknesses in the the prose itself. But do you, do you find did you find that? And I've heard some other authors say that they actually like to hear it read out loud by others. But do you find that that is something that you do earlier in the in the uh, process? Oh, totally. I do it for every draft. Um, I am pretty big on you know reading reading what i have like back that's to cool myself. yeah partly because of this idea yeah you know i mean just as you said i mean i feel like there's a way in which a text is read you know just sort of like you sitting down and reading it on the page and then there's the way in which a text is articulated and understood when you've heard it and the oracular nature of a text can look wildly different from mm. just you know the words on a page and sometimes those Align, but more often than not, they don't. So reading, you know, drafts aloud and reading scenes aloud is one way for me to feel more comfortable when I'm trying to gauge how a conversation between two characters is progressing or not progressing, or where the gaps in the conversation might be, or what it sounds like when a character maybe says one thing, that the thing mm-hmm. that they say is not what they mean at all, and then trying to articulate like, okay, like, now that they said this, like, what do they actually mean? Um, because the yeah. book is so dialogue heavy, I do like I would not have been able to write it if I hadn't, um, you know, read so much of it aloud and you know navigated um, that space to the best of my ability. So I think it's really important for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I was going to ask you if you had a, a um, performance background at all, and then uh, you know I realized that. You know, sometimes you listen to an audiobook read by read by the author, and you're like, "This isn't really, it's not really working for me. I'd rather hear it read by a professional." But in this in this instance, um, it's it's almost perfect. And yeah, so had you had you? I mean, I know all authors kind of like in their careers go through this phase where they're reading at at readings, right? You go to a yeah. salon or whatever, and you read a, a segment of your work, and you know everyone pats each other on the back, has a few drinks, but. Um, yeah, had you ever had you ever done any any voice performance or performance um, prior no. to? Yeah, no, I'm pretty boring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in like a fucking like play, like where the garden grows. Like, where where does your garden go? Like some shit. Like I was in uh, the elementary school, but beyond that was like the end of my like performance uh, <laughs> like, tenure. Um, no, I mean, I just uh, really honing the rhythm and yeah. really honing the gaps in rhythm, yeah. the text and having a sense of each character's speaking tics, um, of their sort of preferences, the sort of 
transition words that they might lean on um, and how they lean on them and how the way in which those words and others come out as characters shift contexts. Um, a lot of that was just editing, you know, just like rereading and reading and reading and reading and reading. So mm-hmm. a strange thing on my end is because like I'm so keen on reading the work aloud in the midst of my drafting it that by the time I'm actually reading yeah. a piece like in front of people or I suppose like in the old world when I'd go to events and like read <laughs> in front of people, like the text would um, more often than not, like what I'd be reading, like the performance aspect of it would be pretty different from yeah. what is explicitly on a page, you know, like I've at least found that oftentimes like there are certain changes that I'll need to make to the actual reading itself to accommodate, I don't know, like the size of a room or to accommodate like the audience or to accommodate the sort of like rhythm in a room, which sounds like, Ooh, but it's like something that you know you sort of scope out. Like once mm-hmm. you're in front of people and, and doing that for a little while to the point where um, the reading itself can feel more akin to like a set list, you know, and yeah. you know, you adjust your set list based on, uh, you know, the context in which you're performing that particular set. So I think of like the reading aspect of it in a lot of ways as being like interconnected with the text, but it's um, singular entity and like a really fun and in a lot of ways, a bit more of a dynamic entity than the text itself. So whenever I have the chance to like read something that I've written, like if it is feasible and if like the parties that are putting it together are amenable to it, I'm always pretty happy to do that. That's cool. Well, it makes sense that um, it was optioned by A24, I believe. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, because it's, it's, perfect, it's almost perfectly suited for, you know, the screen. So talk a little bit about that process. Are you involved at all with um, the production? Do you get to kind of have a say in how it's, how it's developed or, or, or are you allowed to say at this point? Yeah, I can say. So I'm, I'm very involved. I mean, I think that a caveat for me allowing it to be optioned and allowing it to be on the screen was that I would have like heavy involvement. Mm. Um, so I'm writing it. Um, you know, I'll be writing every episode. Oh, that's cool. um, and that was really, you know, it was really important to me. I've been, you know, before, like, they're really lovely. Like the Rudin team, like they've been really lovely. And I think that we're, and I am like really fortunate in that everyone's agenda for this particular project is aligned and that like we just want to make like something really cool and we want to make something that we ourselves would like to see or something that we ourselves would like to watch, you know, which isn't always the case. So yeah. I'm really excited to see like how that unfolds and, you know, it's a, it's an exciting time, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, very involved That's in, cool. uh, in seeing how, uh, you know, it comes together. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, talk a little bit about your interest in the culinary world and kind of maybe the intersection of 
your food writing, with your fiction, with now the um, adaptation. And of course, obviously, if you're working as a producer, writer-producer, um, it's all going to have an inter- very interesting effect on your future work. So talk a little bit about kind of the process and, and your own personal development as a writer. Um, did you did you ever work in restaurants or was it was it just a love of culinary stuff or yeah so i briefly worked in restaurants but it was like front of the house work like i was mm-hmm. never cooking um and like i didn't go to culinary school um i started cooking when i was in middle school like in a really organic way and that like both my parents worked and sometimes they were quite late so like if i wanted to eat like i needed to cook but i lived in a neighborhood and on a street specifically where there were a lot of folks from a lot of different places and my parents respective social revolutions are pretty diverse so it wasn't you know strange to have like filipino cuisine one day and then the next day japanese cuisine and then the next day iranian cuisine and then the next day hmm. like chinese food really chinese american food so i was just really fortunate to be privy to that access which doesn't i feel like like as like someone who grew up in houston it, it's not terribly remarkable or even very special but (laughs) within the context of the country like it's super rare right like to have that like that is like a gem um but wanting i suppose to see what cuisine and what food as a feeder could look like to other conversations right like what does cuisine tell us about comfort or what does cuisine tell us about pleasure or what Mm can you use cuisine on the page to tell a larger narrative about a history or about a people or a place or a time or the sort of transactional nature of sharing a meal with someone like based off of who is benefiting from it who is not benefiting from it whether that is like a tangible financial benefit whether that is more intangible benefit of like a narrative um and who is allowed to tell that narrative and also like who that narrative is being told about like why um i didn't really think of myself as a food writer until i was told <laughs> i was a food writer and mm. like, okay i guess I'm, you know, I'm someone who writes about food but i've been really fortunate <laughs> that i've gotten to work with folks who were really receptive to the different things that i wanted to write about i mean insofar as i think that there i'm starting to see like a few themes and commonalities emerge in the things that i'm trying to do but one that i hope holds true is that you know i just get to keep writing about things that like follow my interests in lieu of like obligation Mm. um and i think that that has a pretty dramatic impact on my writing process in that you know if i'm interested in something then i'm inclined to return to it right and while you know as of late i've been in the position or like a really privileged position of being able to monetize those interests and monetize the things that I'm trying to do. Ideally that part of the transaction doesn't have like an outsized role in what I ultimately end up writing. You know, I mean, I think that I was really fortunate in that Memorial was, Memorial was done. Or rather, Memorial was uh, uh, eight drafts in hmm. before a lot was released, um, which was a wow. very intentional thing because I did not want uh, how 
lot was received or not received to impact, um, you know, what I was trying to do for Memorial and the, what I think may or may not be like the next book or long project, um, although it'll probably take a minute, was begun prior to Memorial being released because I did not want how Memorial was received or not received to impact like, you know, my sort of interests and where those interests took me. Mm -hmm. So really trying to pay keen attention to like what I'm actually interested in and like writing toward that specifically um, is something that's I've been using as like a sort of guiding light. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, uh, Tommy Orange, author of There There, said Brian Washington's memorial is stunning. It's also a surprising page turner. The scenes and characters here couldn't be more alive and vivid. I love this book. Washington Post called it transformative. The blurbs go on and on and on. I mean, I could read these for an hour, but I won't. I'll spare you. Uh, <laughs> ask you a quick fun one that we ask every, every author. Um, if you could have an all expense paid dinner to your favorite restaurant in the world uh, with any author from any era, who would you choose? Where would you take them? Go. Uh, well, lately, I think my answer might be like impacted by like not really eating in restaurants for <laughs> you know, however many months, you know, like six months, like right. seven months. What, what, what's um, a restaurant? I, prob- <laughs> I know. It's just, like, where, where, where are we going? Like, just, what is this question? Again? Are they still open? No. Um, yeah. Like, like, what is happening? um i you know like the book was just released i mean i'd probably want to take everyone who blurbed it out for k barbecue (laughs) right and then you just sort of like Mm. sit down and like chill you know like and you know just like a i feel like the communal aspect of like a shared meal experience like that whether it's k barbecue whether it's like shabu shabu whether it's like dim sum um it's something that i've grown to miss like quite keenly like mm-hmm. and not really thinking about like reaching across someone and like <laughs> picking out like you, you know like a piece of meat and like you know like a, a grilled veggie or just like splitting something in half and like sharing it on the same plate you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. um so that would that sort of experience would would be nice to have <laughs> one day <laughs> yeah i hear you um all right quick one um any advice that you have to your fellow scribes on just how to keep keep their chins up, keep going, and uh, yeah, mm. keep writing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think something that's really sort of solidified itself to me is to not to pay too much attention to the market, honestly, because the thing about the market is that the market doesn't know what it wants until it wants it. Mm-hmm. So if there is a thing that you think that you're deeply interested in that perhaps you don't know how to articulate but it you know you're captured by it and you think that there is a story there and it is enough to make you want to sit down and write it in the midst of you know this time when there are so many other things that you could be doing or so many other things that you know are sort of making their way into your time and i would follow it um Memorial, like nobody was like begging me for it to write Memorial, <laughs> you, you know, like to say the least, like, like to be, to put it very mildly, like Memorial is not like a book that many people asked me to write uh, <laughs> or that anyone asked me to write in a lot of ways, but it was a series of structural and thematic concerns that were really captivating mm-hmm. to me, right? Like uh, there, this, it, there was a question 
of where the characters would end up and how they would navigate their respective trajectories and um, how they would sort of problematize their respective scenarios that I was keen on following to, you know, the sort of end of their logical conclusion. And my not knowing the answer for them was enough for me to finish uh, writing it. So, you know, I just say follow your interests and follow the end of, um, you know, the questions that, that really... I don't know, that, that circle around you, the ones that you feel that perhaps you're the only one who's interested in. Yeah, yeah. Well, we thank you for your time and your wisdom. Um, really appreciate you doing this. Where can uh, listeners reach out? I got uh, brywashing.com. Looks like your home base. Is there anywhere else uh, that you connect with uh, fans, listeners, and uh, readers? So, yeah, brywashing is .com is like the sort of site that like I've been told to have. So people know <laughs> where to find me elsewhere. Um, but I'm also on Twitter um, okay. at brainwashing. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty, pretty responsive on Twitter. So cool, man. All right. Those places. Hey, congrats on all of your successes and the fantastic work. We wish you the best and uh, do come back and visit again. Thank you so much, Kelton. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.